0: Hey guys, um, sorry I stood up here for a really obnoxiously long time. Um, welcome to RUF uh, in the middle of midterms. How uh, are you guys hanging, hanging in? Janae's killing it, Jana's killing it. All right, Good, 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 good. killing it, rocking it. Um, really good to see you guys. A special welcome to you if you've never been to RUF. Uh, my name is Chris, I'm the campus minister. Uh, if I don't know you, I'd love to get to know you. Um, Yeah, so a very special welcome to you. Uh, Tonight we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. We're working our way through the book of Ephesians together. And uh, tonight we're in Ephesians 4. And last week, if you'll remember, if you were here, um, I started off by talking about, you know, the Bible is always saying, look, here's who you are by God's grace before the Bible ever tells you that you should do something. Um, the way of the gospel is to always talk about what's, what God has done, who he has made you, before uh, telling you what you should do in response to that. There's always God's love and grace before his uh, commandments. You know, it'll say things like, look, you're holy. Okay, you've been made holy by Jesus. Now go be holy, right? Or you're united in Christ. You are these isolated people. You've been brought together. Now act like united people, Right? Um, our identity, remembering who we are, uh, is really, really important. We always need to be reminded of who we are before we can do anything. Uh, and there's no really, really no better example of this idea in practice than in The Incredibles, um, everyone's favorite movie. I was, another pastor kind of uh, turned me on to this. But, of course, in, in The Incredibles, uh, I'm not really super well-versed in Disney, Pixar movies, but I have seen this one. And, uh, of course, you know, there's superheroes, right, a family of superheroes, but being a superhero apparently is bad, and so it is illegal, so you can't use your superpowers. And so this family is attempting to live like a normal family, except for they have super strength and invisibility and such and such, right? So you'll remember that uh, Mr. Incredible, Bob Parr, okay, thank you, um, (laughs) He gets bored with his life, like as, as if no one could tell that he's a superhero by looking at him, right? He's <laughs> ten times bigger than everyone else. And uh, he gets bored with his normal life, he starts doing his superhero thing again, right? Fighting crime, right? And as he's doing this, uh, Elastigirl, Helen Parr, she thinks that he's having an affair, right? You remember this? And so they go to see their friend, um, uh, Edna Mode right? She is the costume designer, right? The little gal with the super modern haircut, right? And um, she goes and she talks to her. Remember, she's saying, she's in Edna's, like, modern apartment, and she's like, I, I, I'm afraid that I'm losing him. What am I going to do? Right? And you remember Edna, she, uh, she, she jumps up on top on of the thing, and um, she says, you are Elastigirls. My God. And she has a rolled up newspaper. She says, pull yourself together. <laughs> what will you do? Is that a question? You will show him that you remember that he is Mr. Incredible. And you will show him that you are Elastigirl. And call me when you get done. I love our business. Right? And she says at the end. She needs to be reminded that she is Elastigirl. And she needs to remind him that he is Mr. Incredible. And tonight... Uh, In Ephesians 4, Paul, in a sense, is taking that rolled-up newspaper and he's saying, this is who you are. Stop it. Stop living the old way. Start living the new way. You have a mistaken identity. You've forgotten who you are. So let's read together in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. Sorry for that terrible Edna Mode impersonation. (laughs) Let's start over just so I can do that again. Um, (laughs) Ephesians 4, uh, starting in verse 17. Listen, this is the word of God. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. forgave you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that, Lord, indeed, uh, you make everything new. And, Lord, you have made us new in Christ. Lord, show us by your word um, how we might live in the newness that he has made. In Christ's name, amen. amen. Uh, so, basically, is starting off here and he's saying, look, you can't walk the way the Gentiles do. But that's really weird because this is a book written to Gentile people. So he's basically saying, okay, you're a church that's full of non-ethnically Jewish people, Gentiles. So stop being a Gentile, right? At the beginning of of chapter three, he says, I'm a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Now he's like, stop walking like a Gentile. Um, How could you tell someone, hey, this is what you are. But stop being that thing that you are. Um, How could Paul ever ask them to do that? Uh, The word that he's using here, Gentile, is really like a code word for unbeliever. And he's saying, look, the way that you were born, you were born outside of the people of God. Okay, You were a stranger to the covenants of God. You were outside and you were by birth an unbeliever. But that is a word that only explains who you used to be. It's not a word that explains who you are now. You can't keep talking about yourself like that, and you can't keep walking like a Gentile. You're part of the family of God by believing in Christ. It's basically what he says in 2 Corinthians 5 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, The new has come. We're so new that we don't even get called by the same name anymore. Uh, Is Garden State so old now that no one has seen it? No. Okay, all right, Garden State, all right. So you remember, if you've seen Garden State, there's that part, you know, Zach Braff's character, uh, Andrew Largeman, he's gone back home to New Jersey because his dad's died for the funeral. And he sees his old friend, Kenny, right, who's a police officer now, but he used to be, like, really wild before. And remember, he's talking to, Kenny pulls him over, Right? He's a a cop. And he's like, Kenny, the last time I saw you, you were doing lines of coke off a urinal. (laughs) Remember, Kenny's like, la, 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 man, that's in the past. I had to grow up. That's not me anymore. Um, Paul is talking about us and saying, look, you used to be away, and that is in the past, and you have to let it go. Uh, The past is in the past. I'm never looking back, right? Is that how it goes? Let it go, let it go. Okay. Um, you have to let it go. And he compares it to clothes. You got to take off the person that you were, and you got to put on this new person. So, basically, tonight we're going to move quickly. We're going to look at the old clothes. What were the old clothes that we used to wear? The old self. And then we're going to look at the changing room. What, what do we need to do to, to take off this old person, put on this new person? And then what do the new clothes look like? So, the old clothes, the changing room, and the new clothes. All right, so first the old clothes. Look at what he says. He's saying, don't walk like the Gentiles do. He says they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is within them. And that makes it sound like someone that is an unbeliever is just suffering from a lack of information. Like, okay, well, this may be you. You're like, I don't believe in God, but I just haven't got there yet. I don't have enough data. Uh, I need something more. I'm waiting to believe. And uh, as, as, as Christians, we sometimes treat people like it's just a lack of, of information. So if I say it the right way and I say the right thing, then they will become a believer. This, it will happen. If I plug, you know, the right numbers in, then I'll get the uh, result that I want. And then when it doesn't happen, we're like, okay, maybe I didn't say the right thing. No, I think I said the right thing. Well, maybe I didn't say it the right way. No, I think I was pretty nice about it. Maybe I need to talk slower to them. Then they will get it. Jesus died. Cross. Are you understanding? Yeah. Uh, and we treat uh, people like that because we think that there's an intellectual problem. I just need to be convinced. okay? And in a sense, that's true. But what Paul is saying and what the rest of the Bible teaches about unbelief is that it's much deeper than an intellectual issue. It's a heart issue. Paul says... Uh, because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Unbelief isn't merely intellectual. It doesn't start in the intellect. It starts in the heart. Uh, the reason uh, why is we reject God. This is all of us, okay? This is everybody in this room, without the grace of God, rejects Jesus automatically. This is what our hearts want to do. We reject Jesus um, Because this passage in Romans 1 say, look, everybody knows that God exists. Okay, Maybe you never heard anybody say it like that, but that's what the Bible says. Hey, everybody that exists on the earth knows that God exists. It's clear. It's the most clearly evident thing in the world. Yet we choose not to believe it. Um, We continue to reject God. We let our heart get calloused. We reject God in our hearts. And if you're here and you have not put your faith in Jesus, uh, I say with all complete sincerity, I'm really happy that you're here. Because the people in this room that are Christians need you to help us understand people that aren't weird Christian bubble people like we are, okay? Like, look, I've been in Crossroads, like, I understand, all right? Okay. I get it. Um, I'm really happy that you're here, and you're welcome here if you're not a Christian. You can figure this stuff out at any pace you want to. No one's going to ask you to sign a card. No one's going to ask you um, to make a profession, and if not, you'll never be able to come back, okay? I'm happy that you're here. But if you're here and you're not a believer, can I say to you in love um, that your problem isn't that you don't believe in God? The problem is that you believe in God and you're trying desperately to forget him, that you're trying desperately to push him away and act like he's not there so that you can keep on doing whatever you want to, and I'm right there with you, okay? Except by the grace of God. Um, You aren't waiting around to believe. You aren't waiting around for something to happen. And in love, God's calling you To stop running away. That's it. To turn to him and say, look, you're right. Please, please, please help me and he will save you. He will take you in Christ. Do it. Don't wait. Without the saving grace of Jesus, this is who we are. We reject God. In our hearts, we hate him. Um, There's two tenets of unbelief, right? There is no God and I hate him. There is no God, and I hate God. Those are the tenets of unbelief. Um, John Stott puts it like this. He talks about this downward spiral of unbelief. Hardness of heart leads first to darkness of mind, then to deadness of soul under the judgment of God, and finally to recklessness of life. Having lost all sensitivity, people lose all self-control. As we harden our hearts, we are pushed farther and farther and farther away from God. So those are our old clothes, right? Those are the old clothes. If you're a Christian, that's who you used to be. But if you put your your trust in Jesus, those aren't your clothes anymore. Okay, this is the the drum I'm going to be all night, okay? So just get it now. That's not who you are. It feels like who you are, but it's not who you are. Look at what Paul says starting in verse 20. But that's not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirits of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in the true righteousness and holiness. It's not two options. It's not two outfits. It's one is old. It's dead. Paul says elsewhere, it's been crucified with Christ. It doesn't even really exist. This new person is who you really are and who you will be forever. And Paul is saying, you got to get in the changing room and you got to take off these old clothes and you got to put on these new clothes. The way you used to see the world, the things you used to value, the way you used to treat people, the way you used to use people, the way you used to use God. you got to stop. You have to stop and you got to put on your new clothes because you aren't that person anymore. The more that you live like that old person, the more you live a lie. That was what Paul is saying here. And I've I've talked about this before. We're talking a lot about identity. The Bible telling us who we are, right? Um, It's crucial. Look, I've said it before. The Bible, the New Testament, doesn't call Christian people sinners. Like, we know that we're sinners, right? We're sinners. We need God's grace. Okay, like, if I screw up, ah, I'm a sinner, right? But the New Testament doesn't call you a sinner if you are a Christian. The New Testament calls you a saint. There's one time that Paul calls a Christian a sinner in the New Testament. And it's when he says, I am the chief of all sinners. That's the one time. Otherwise, the Bible, if you are in Christ, if you've trusted Jesus, calls you a saint. That you're holy. Holy. That you're righteous before God. When we come to Jesus, yeah, we give him our sin and we take off that nasty, dirty robe and we give it to him and he nails it to the cross. But he takes what's on him and he gives it to us. And it's this beautiful, gleaming, pure cleanness, this righteousness. And he says, you're clean, you're pure and I have a beautiful, wonderful, righteous life set for you. That I'm giving it to you. Just walk in it. Just put it on. Just try it on. Jesus gives us a change of clothes, and he says, you've got to take off that old, nasty, disgusting rags and put on the new self. I saw a BuzzFeed article today, um, as you do if you ever get on Facebook. So thanks for those. And it was, um, 20 things men over 30 should never wear and I am 30, so I think this really applies to you guys too. Um, fedoras. Okay? Fair enough. Uh, diaper pants. You know, like Justin Bieber, they're really baggy at the top and really tight at the bottom. Okay? Those are really, really bad. And the, the sad thing is, you don't even look as good as Justin Bieber when you're wearing those. Um, choker necklaces. <laughs> Capes. No capes. Okay. Dangly earrings. Okay. Thankfully, that's not really a thing anymore. Crocs. Unless you're at the beach or you're cooking in a kitchen, do not wear crocs. Okay, no crocs. All right. Overalls. Unless you're working on a farm, no overalls. Mock turtlenecks. Uggs. Okay, gentlemen. All right. And this is my favorite one. Skull jewelry when you are not, in fact, a sorcerer. Okay? Uh, and, And fake tans. That stuff just isn't appropriate for a grown man to wear. Thankfully, hopefully you all know this, okay? When you reach 30, don't wear that stuff. That stuff's not appropriate for you. The old clothes that you were wearing, the old you... Is not appropriate for who you are now. That's not who you are. Stop. <laughs> Take that stuff off and stop wearing it. Stop living like that. The past is in the past. Um, put on the new clothes. When I was when I was a kid, uh, until I was about eight, like we were, it was made my mom, and we were. I mean, we were legitimately poor. I mean, she got a better job after that, and we we did better. But um, we lived in a single wide, and uh, we ate a lot of rice and roni which I still love. And my wife won't cook me because it has too much sodium. And, um, but my mom made a lot of my clothes. I don't know if you guys had like, a mom that made your clothes. Okay, hopefully your mom was better at it. And, um, I love my mom. She's really good now at sewing. But um, she used to make me these outfits. It was like kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And it was like these like really short 80s shorts and like a button-up shirt with a collar and short sleeve. And um, it would always be this fabric that she would get from, like, Walmart or Joanne fabric. And um, she would sew it. And, like, in her mind it was cute. Um, but the worst thing was they had no elastic at all. Right? So just imagine, like, a sheet. And, like, it's, it's just on you. Right? And you can't, like, bend over at all. Like, you can't squat. I remember this one. They were all, like, patterns. But this one, it was the California Raisins. Okay, you guys remember the California Raisins? They were really hot in the 80s. Um, They were super stiff. They felt super awkward and uncomfortable to wear. Like, you couldn't do this. It was just kind of here, right? Um, And the worst part is that it was obvious to every single person that saw me that they were not bought from a store. Okay? Like, they just weren't the genuine article, right? They weren't from... The store. And that is very much how it feels to put on the new self. It feels awkward, restrictive, uncomfortable, unflattering. Um, And the worst thing is, it feels like everyone around you knows that it isn't real. This is why the hardest person for you to love is your own family, because they know you so much better than everyone else. And when you really want to change, like, my wife says that she likes me a lot better when I'm with her parents than I'm with my parents. Because um, when I'm with her parents, I, like, pretend like I'm this really good Christian person. And when I'm with my parents, I can't do that because they, they know that I'm not. Um, uh, it feels like everybody is looking at you and knowing this isn't real. Um, like, when you used to hang out with these people and talk about everyone, and then suddenly they're like, I can't do that anymore. And so they're, they're, like, just crushing this person, and you're like, yeah, but her hair looks really good, you know. And they're like, you know, <laughs> who are you? Or, um, like, you go to a party, and then, like, you decide, okay, I'm not going to get hammered, okay? I'm just going to have a couple. I'm not going to get hammered. And everyone's like, oh, what's your deal? You're judging us, right? If, you, if you've ever been in this situation, that is how it goes. Why aren't you drinking? I'm just not... Unless you say, I'm sick. They're like, what's the matter with you? Or, man, like suddenly you don't put out nearly as easily as you used to. And that's hard. Uh, It feels super, super awkward. Um, My friend, uh, now when I'm saying this, I'm not talking about my wife. My friend, um, my friend really struggles to love her mother-in-law. She's married. And um, the biggest part of the reason why she struggles to love her mother-in-law is because she thinks her mother-in-law is a fake. Because she can tell sometimes that something's bothering her, and she goes like she can tell that someone that someone hurt her feelings, and she's like, yeah, but you know, I think they meant well. Or she can say something really mean to her mother-in-law, and her mother-in-law she can tell that like she just wants to snap back at her, and yet she goes like, I'm just so happy that I know you and to see God working in you. And she hates her for it because she's like, she's such a fake. But really what's happening is she's putting her new clothes on and it just feels really awkward and seems forced. Um, putting on the new clothes is hard. Putting on those Chacos, week one of freshman year. Um, you're like, I got to have these in order to go to school here. Um But they were uncomfortable. They were hard. They felt weird until you broke them in. The new clothes feel awkward, but you got to do it. It's who you really are. You're really an Appalachian student, so you have to wear those. (laughs) Um, So what do the new clothes look like, briefly? Look verse 25. I want to read this section of commands, and I want you to tell me what's the one thing they all have in common. Okay, so pay attention. Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief, the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Any ideas? Anybody? They're all about other people. They're all about the way in which you doing things affects other people. One of one of, if not the most dominant characteristic of you putting on this new self in Jesus, is that suddenly you care very much about how what you're doing affects other people is what I'm going to do going to hurt someone else you care very intimately about about that look what he says he says don't lie okay tell the truth show your neighbor the respect of just like being honest with them okay like tell the truth to your neighbor care more about other people than you do about looking good Okay, because when you have to say that you're sorry or like come clean with someone, you look bad. There's no getting out of that. Like having lied to someone and then going back and telling, like you're never like, oh, you're such a great guy that you lied to me and then you told me the truth. You know, you just look bad. So care more about other people than you do about covering your tail. Okay. When you get angry, don't sin. When you get angry, don't use it as an excuse to hurt someone else. That is, you may be justifiably angry about something. But if you seek revenge on that person, or you slander them behind their back, that is not justified. That doesn't count. Uh, Care more about other people than you do about being right. Okay? In your anger. Uh, Don't, this is a, I love this one. Don't steal. Okay? Stop being a thief. But work hard for an honest wage. Is it because working hard for an honest wage is a better way to get the things you need? Maybe. But the point here is work so that you can have something to give to someone else. He says that you can have something to share with anyone that's in need. Work so that you can be charitable. Care more about other people than you do about getting what you want right now. Um, It's interesting. He says, uh, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. That word corrupting actually means rotten. Let no rotten talk come out of your mouth. Like if someone came to your house, you wouldn't give them rotten food, right? Because that would hurt them, right? It would be disgusting. You give them good, healthy, wholesome food that's going to build them up, give them strength, give them health. It's the same with our words. Build each other up. Encourage each other. Give health in what you say. I don't know if y'all really, I don't really own this, uh, so I suspect that you don't either, just really how powerful the things that you say are. You know how powerful the stuff other people say about you and to you is. But for some reason, when it comes out of our own mouth, we're like, "Ah, that's not that big of a deal. They won't care. It's not a big deal. Um, The proverb says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You can either gash somebody up with a sword or you can heal them literally with your words. Care more about other people than you do about being clever or witty. That, that cuts me. The most distinctive trait of our new life in Christ is how we treat other people. I can't, I can't stress that enough. Um, that's the one sure way that I know what's going on with you, is how you're treating other people. Hurting people, it says, grieves the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You don't want to do that. Put that away. Take those clothes off. Put on the new clothes. Uh, Justin Kaplan, he edited this book called Bartlett's Familiar Quotations. Um, has anyone ever read Bartlett's Familiar Quotations? It's basically a book of quotes. Okay. Um, and he died this past week, and they played an interview with him on the radio. He's a really funny guy. But they asked him what the worst quote in the book was. Like, what's the worst quote in your book? And it was from the movie Love Story. Have you guys seen that movie? That older movie? Love means never having to say you're sorry. Right? Thank you. He said that is the worst quote in the book. Because it's total crap. That is the biggest, one of the biggest lies I've ever heard. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Deal with that in a marriage, okay? Um, (laughs) love means caring enough about someone else to admit that you were wrong and say that you're sorry Um, that's what it looks like to love somebody y'all so for them to be here and for you not to bring yourself here but to put yourself here to love them to care more about other people and to sum it all up i love the last thing he says Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Y'all, you can do this. You can take off those old clothes and put on those new clothes. You can put on the new self because Jesus has done it for you. And when you hear that, please, please, please don't hear, okay, Jesus forgave me. So now I should feel really bad about that. And then... I'll, I'll just do it because I'm, I'm feeling bad. Okay, I know Jesus did it. All right, get back up on the horse. Do not hear that. Instead, hear, Jesus did it. So you can do it too. He did it for you. He wants you to be this person. He's given you everything you need. Now just do it. It's walking. My daughter broke her leg. Poor thing. She's like She started walking like two months ago. And so now she can't. Um, But she is going to figure it out, okay? She is up, and she is falling down a lot, okay? And she's getting up. She has a cast that comes all the way up here. It's pink. And uh, she is trying to walk, and she's making progress. God is calling us just to start walking that way, y'all. Just get up. Give it a try. Yeah, you're going to fall. You're going to sin. It's okay. You're not going to catch anybody off guard. Just put on those new clothes. What is keeping you from loving other people? Are you still wearing your old clothes? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, mercy, and peace to us that you have made it possible for us to change. Um, Lord, don't bring us out of here. Um, Just bow down under guilt for knowing how we haven't loved people. Lord, point us to Jesus Uh, Where we see our sin taken away and then give us the power we need, Lord, to be the person you have made us to be, Lord, for the benefit of others and for your glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.